Aloha. Aloha. Amen. Hey, there, there, there's something about getting what you want when you go shopping. Can I get a witness, right? There's something about it. But specifically, one of the things that, that I don't like is that on my birthday, people get gifts for me. Because number one, you have to accept the gift the way it is, right? And, all that, and, then, and then number two, what if you don't like it? Like, like, for real, what if you don't like it? For instance, uh, I turned uh, 34 this past March, and uh, by God's grace, uh, he gave me a giving sister, baby sister, and she bought me some shoes. Now, I don't know what's up with my family. They buy me the same colors for everything. Can I get a witness out there, right? Same colors for everything. And so she got me some gray shoes, and I was like, oh, man, I don't want this. So, you know, just like any good Hawaiian would do, you know, they would just say, hey, I, I love you, but I'm going to exchange this, okay? You know, it is what it is. <laughs> so I got these beautiful uh, Warriors, Golden State Warrior shoes. And not for the sake of Golden State, but you guys know I, I'm a Hilo High fanatic. I'm blue and gold all the way. So when you see Kahuzik at Panayava Park or Malama Park trying to scrape up my knees trying to play basketball, you'll see my blue and gold shoes. I, I love it. And I exchanged it for what I wanted, right? Some of you, uh, you, get, you lost a little weight, right? Not me, but some of you lost a little weight. You got to exchange some of your clothing. Some of you, you got to exchange things in your life that help you be better. But I want to talk about something that's a little different from materialistic things and something that's more spiritual and eternal. There's a thing that I had to exchange growing up in my life. Now, you guys may know my story. I want Kanaka Maole. I'm from this land. This is blood. blood. I mean, I, I'm proud to be on Hawaiian. And most of all, I'm proud to be a follower of Christ. Can I get a witness out there? All right, like being Hawaiian has nothing to do with that. In fact, I love being Jesus, but I love the culture and, and the people group he has made me to be a part of. But there's something I had to exchange. And though I grew up in a Christian household, my daddy was a kahu. Uh, I, knew, I knew about church before I was even born, right? I was going to church in the womb of my mama. Can I get a witness out there, right? And what happened was I had to exchange something when I was 18 years old. At 18 years old, I believe genuinely I came to faith in Jesus Christ. I grew up in the church not knowing Jesus until God took me away from this moko, moku okeave that we call this island, the big island. And I went to Sin City, Las Vegas. And that's where I genuinely felt and sensed God's spirit regenerating me from the inside out. The word regeneration is just a technical term for the new birth. I was being born again, as the old-time old time preachers would say. I knew Jesus when I was 18 years old. But there were some things I had to exchange. And the things I've had to exchange was my viewpoint of the scriptures, theology, doctrine, so I started diving into the Word of God, even went to school, went to seminary and all that, to, to dive into the Word of God. And I really didn't want my mama's faith or my daddy's faith to become my faith. I wanted it to be real and personal. I just didn't want to be in these certain doctrines just because mama said so, so I believed it. I really wanted to dive, so I went to school. And, and more than that, God gave me people who paid for that school, you know. Uh, and, and, and because of God's grace, you know, I feel that the exchange that I made was a right exchange. My family, like many Hilo families, Hawaii families, was traumatized by the prosperity gospel. You know, receive, uh, name it, claim it, receive it. You guys ever heard those terminologies before? Name it. Like we, we would go window shopping. Preachers, televangelists would tell us, go window shopping. Go to the mall. You may not have the money in your pocket, but you can name it, claim it, help me out, 
and receive it. And, and some sooner or later, you will get that. That's the kind of theology I grew up in. Now, my mom and dad loved the Lord Jesus with all their heart and all that, but we followed people that Jude and Peter explained as being false teachers. And so I had to make that exchange, right? I had to make that exchange and say, God, uh, man, I'm praying, right? I'm naming it, I'm claiming it, I'm receiving it, but God, uh, I'm saying all those things, but I'm not experiencing it. Can I get a witness? Have you been in the same boat? And not to be dogmatic or to be divisive with it, a lot of churches today in Hilo will be preaching that sermon today. Name it, claim it, receive it. And, I'm not, and God is not against your health. God is not against your wealth. God is not against all this. What he is against is when that becomes your God. And the prosperity gospel has ravished America. Has ravished America. Majority of, and I'll just be upfront with you, majority of locals and Hawaiians are in prosperity gospel preaching churches this morning. Because they want that feel good. It's about me, right? God loved me so much because of me. No, we don't preach that here. God loved you because of his glory. Amen. A view of God and a view of man. And so I want to show you a video of what I'm talking about because you may have grown up in this prosperity gospel thinking, and I want to give some balance to what it means because it's easy to grow up to church and go through the yin-yang and all the, the fundamentalism of Christianity, and you may be a prosperity believer in the wrong way, and understanding that the gospel is enough. Whether I get the nicest cars or not, the gospel is enough. Whether I get a big church or not, the gospel is not, because it's not my church, it's God's church. All right, so I want you to see a video, and I want you to see how this video proclaims against the uh, prosperity gospel. I'm talking about your money. I broke the back of poverty with a $1,000 seed. I am blessed. I am prosperous. Your words will become your reality. When you name it and you claim it and it still doesn't happen, what am I doing wrong, God? I felt like I was walking on eggshells all the time because it felt as if at any moment I can go to hell because I'm not doing enough. You know what the Bible tells Christians to do? Examine yourself. Are you coming to God for God? Or are you coming to God so that you can ultimately get what your heart's truly after and that's something else? You can grow up in the church, hear a gospel about freedom, and still work your tail off trying to maintain the image that you're a good person. 99.9% .9 of people are not bad people. They may make poor choices, but deep down, they've got a good heart. And my wife looked back at me and she said, why are you yelling at the television? And I said, because that's not the whole gospel. Following Christ is not about this list of things you need to go do for him. Following Christ is about this sense of awe over what he's done for you. That when you come in contact with him, you change. And when the heart changes, everything changes. Wow, like Jesus died for my sins. That's so convenient for me. I don't have to go to hell, but I'm gonna go do my own thing. <laughs> which is not the gospel at all. What do you think happens when we die? We're gonna be fine. If hell didn't exist, neither would this ministry. Seriously, I would be out surfing. I'd have long hair, just living for myself, but I can't. You, you don't wanna burn, do you? Right. Which, like, if that's the best message you have, that's just a crap message. The answer for being unloving is not to be overtolerant. That's not the right answer. Welcome to real Christianity. The origins of the prosperity gospel are not Christian at all. It is cultic theology that has been wrapped in some Christian lingo. You've been accused of getting the gospel wrong. 
It's a damnable heresy that hurts people and sends them to hell. People ain't worrying about no blood on no cross. They worrying about how they're going to make it through the day. Is this gospel, is this good news primarily about you? I am a victor, not a victim. I'm going to live a long, productive, faith-filled life. Or is this a message about God? The cross embodies both the wrath and the love of God. We see that as a contradiction, and yet God doesn't. The cost of accepting the gospel could be your family. The people you love most in the world, you must love Jesus more. But it's worth it. I opened that word, and nothing was ever the same. Go make disciples. That is the call of every believer. I've got to share this news. If I want to believe God for a $65 million plane, you cannot stop me. Christianity has been built and has carried through the generations on the blood of men, not on the wealth. How can I just continue to live my life as if this isn't true? So I abandoned my version of the American dream, and I said, I will do what I can to take the gospel to the nations. I want you to hear what that preacher said. Christianity was built on the blood of men, not the wealth of men. Today, you live in freedom in America. Because there were Christian men who came from Europe who decided that we need to be in freedom. And, and let me tell you something. It's, it's easy to let our culture be our God versus what the text of Scripture says. A lot of families that we ministered with in Hilo is no longer following Jesus today because of the prosperity gospel. My family is one of them. Me and U are the only siblings out of six that are following Jesus today. The prosperity gospel ravished my family. Many of you know churches in this town that preached a better you, right? A better wealth, a better health. And they would even say, as we learned last week, that the reason why you're not experiencing wealth, health and wealth is because you don't have enough faith. That is not true, right? The gospel is not primarily about you. The gospel is about Jesus, and what we get to do is be a part of his glorious story. That's why you get in trouble a lot. You get in trouble, whether you have a Christian background, right? right for, let's start with the Christian background. You get in trouble because you think the gospel is about you. You think coming to church is about you. You think everything that has to do with life is about you. Because our society teaches that. Everything is about merit. Let me tell you something. I thank God we serve an unconditional God in a conditional world. I thank God that he, he loves me, not for who I am, but for who Christ is in me. Because if he loved me just for me, I am a fool. I am sinful. I, I would not choose God at all because in and of itself, I love sin. And that's why I do it. That's why we do it. But when the gospel penetrates the heart, it's a totally different story. Can I get a witness in here? Right? I pray that you're not coming here to see a dynamic preacher because I'm not a dynamic preacher. I pray you're not coming here to see a great worship team because we're not a great worship team. Right? right? We're not professionals. I pray you're coming here because you have something in common with fallen sinners. What? We need Christ today. We need Christ. And so we, if, you, if you're new to this church, if, you, if this is your first time, 
uh, we, we go through books of the Bible here, verse by verse, and we've landed on the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to complete our first chapter of the Gospel of Mark. And Brother Mark is really declaring one thing. Hear me out. Jesus is Christ. Jesus is the anointed one. Jesus is Lord, and this is what we get to do. We get to understand directly through Scripture what it means to have a long-lasting relationship with the Lord, not dependent on what I do for God, but what he has done on the cross already. And so I want you, I want you to take your Bible, and I want you to flip it over to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, and I want to finish up these verses. Jesus has done phenomenal things up to this point, and Jesus is about to present a great picture of why he's here on earth in his humanity, even in his lordship. So would you stand with me in the reading of God's divine word? Mark says this, after Jesus came down from the mountain, the desolate places, Kyle Marcus explained last week, there's some things that took place. Anytime you spend time with the Lord, all right, something needs to happen out of that, right? We call it application. Let me, let me tell you, let me show you the result of Jesus modeling what it meant like to spend time with the Father. Beginning in verses 40 to the end of our chapter, it said, and a what? Leper, right? A leper came to Jesus. Can I get an amen, right? All right. A leper came to him, imploring Jesus and kneeling and said to Jesus, if you will, you can make me what? clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will. Here, here, here's the medicine, right? He says this, say it with me, one, two, three, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Hallelujah. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone. But what? Go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But this man went out and began to talk freely about it. I want you to see it. He talked freely about the miracle, not Jesus. And to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was in a desolate place. And people were coming to Jesus from every quarter. Jesus, we come to you today. Have your way, Holy Spirit of God. Fill us with your mana'o today. We, we don't need man's mana'o. We need yours. We love you, Jesus. Thank you so much for loving us first. In Christ's name we pray and God's ohana says, Amen. Lalo. Uh, the title of my text is The Need to be Replaced. Say that with me. One, two, three. The need to be replaced. And before we break down our verses, I want us to address the illness of leprosy. Leprosy, as we see in our text today, was the ancient, uncurable disease of the time. I mean, even up to the 20th century. How many of you Hawaiians remember the area of Kalaupapa on Molokai? All right? Kalaupapa on Molokai is there today. It's, it's, a state, it's a state area now, but Kalaupapa was a peninsula. The only way for getting to Kalau Papa was you had to come on a va'a or a boat or you had to go walk down the steep hills. Some people have gone down with donkeys and all that. And there in the mid-1800s, all the Kanaka Maoli who had leprosy colonized there. There was a, a, a Catholic priest 
named Father Damien. How many of you heard that name before? That the school was named after him in Oahu. He was a god sent to the Hawaiians of Kalaupapa. Now, now, what we, now, now we got to come on this great level. Like not, not all Catholic theology is bad. The one thing I'm encouraged about Catholic theology is that they genuinely love people through service. Like, like, like you can, they feed people today. Um, they, they, have you heard of Catholic charities and all that? They, they do that for my father-in-law. Great thing has happened. And just like any movement of God, man comes involved. And, and so there's some godly people in the Catholic church. There's some godly people in the Protestant church or what we are today. But the reality is Father Damien revealed a picture of Christ in, in how he served Le the people who had leprosy there on Molokai. The, this issue was bad. I mean, it, leprosy is also known in the 1800s as the Hansen disease, and it's an infectious disease that causes severe disfiguring skin sores and nerve damage in the arms, legs, and skin areas around the body. And, and what we see in our text is a man who has leprosy. And this man seeks out Jesus to be released and to be healed from his leprosies. It is, it is my understanding, all right? We don't see it in the text of Scripture, but it's my understanding, just understanding all chapter 1, that Jesus became famous because of all these healing, miraculous miracles that he was doing. Therefore, this leopard was, was heard of Jesus and therefore came to Jesus and wanted a face-to-face -face encounter with Christ. Are, is that you this morning? Are you like this leopard brother who needs to be healed, who needs to be different? So I want us to look at three realities from this man who has leprosy. Number, and we're going to be Pauhana. Number one, reality number one, we see a picture of sin in our text today. Based on the details of Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, we don't have time to go there today, but I want you to read it. It gives you a great detail on how leprosy was handled. What was the protocol? And Warren Wearsby addresses this sin issue in, in, this way. He says, like sin, leprosy is deeper than the skin. You see where he's going, saints? It spreads, it defiles, and it isolates. And it renders things fit only for the fire. Can I get a witness there, right? Anyone who has never trusted the, the Savior Jesus is spiritually in worse shape than the man who had leprosy. We see a symbolic picture of this leopard man all right, revealing sin at its core. Here, here are some practices from the Old Testament and the New Testament in relationship with those who had leprosy. If you had leprosy, you were made fun of. You were shunned. And you're put as an outcast, meaning you couldn't hang out in society. You, like Kalau Papa in Molokai, you had to go to those colonies. You had to stay there. In fact, if you were near someone who did not have leprosy, there was a protocol based on Leviticus 13 and chapter 14, which says they had to wear, those who were leopards had to wear torn clothing. They could not take care of their hair, right? I mean, so you talk about Rastafari, right? They had dreadlocks way before Brother Bob, all right? Reality check right there, right? They, they had to cover their face, right, to, to understand it. They, they had to cry out loud, unclean, when they were around clean people, right? 
It was considered an uncurable illness because it went deeper than the skin. And they knew that if someone was to be cured from leprosy, only God could do that. Only God could do that. And so understanding this leopard man here, man, God is in the flesh. I want to check this out. And I want to see if, if he can heal Peter's mom, like we saw, and all the other sick people. He can heal me. So I want you to see reality too. We see a platform for salvation. First off, we see a man's desperate, desperate desire to be healed of leprosy. I think that's how we should approach church every week. Like, like we are desperate for God to do something in us. Not because there's a fun, straight kick going on on the band stage, right? Not because there's a cool minor, major, augmented, diminished, flat seven chord. No, because in and of ourselves, our hearts are in desperate need to be rescued. Every one of us. Look, look at the things that we see in this desperation of this leopard man. He says, it says, number one, he looked for Jesus. Now, what are you believing, seeking or not? The text is the text. He seeked out Jesus. He, he sought out Jesus. Whatever your preference in theology is, he literally looked for Jesus. The text says that the man got up, left his colony, basically, went into society, and he looked for Jesus. He came with a passion to be delivered by his illness. He even broke the cultural protocols of Leviticus chapter 13 and 14. He should have not been in society, right? But he went there because that's how desperate he was for Christ. How desperate are you today? Are you desperate enough to, to share your burdens with the Lord? Are you desperate enough to share your burdens with your Ohana? Are you desperate enough to be transparent that only the gospel can receive you and make you whole? Are you that desperate? Or do we live in this American culture understanding that God wants my best life for me? He wants to give me health and wealth. And those are all fine things, but they're secondary to the core of our hearts. We are wicked all right? I don't agree with Joel Osteen at all, 100%. So if you are listening to Joel Osteen, I would encourage you not to. If you're listening to all these other televangelists that that video talk, I would encourage you not to. Some of them, man, don't talk about prophets and all. He's a false teacher. He said, you heard him on the video. 99% of people have good hearts. The Bible does not say that. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 that we are dead in our trespasses and our sin. Do you think we're dead because we have good hearts? We're dead because we're, we're sinful. We're depraved. We need salvation. That is, but we don't preach this gospel anymore because we want to go with all the popularity mega churches that's around the world, and they're not the norm. I promise you, they're not the norm. Mega churches is not the norm. Let's, let's, think, let, let's stop thinking that they're, they're great church because they have over a thousand people in their church. You don't judge. Listen to me. You don't judge and you don't, you don't base a success of a church by what they have in their seating capacity. You based on the faithfulness of the word of God. Preaching against sin, preaching on true salvation that people need more than just wealth and health. They need Christ. That's the message. That, and we should be bold about that. We shouldn't be discouraged about that. 
How in the world can I be bold about Christ coaching a football program in a public school and pray with them on the field, whatever the case, or off the field, whatever the case is, and still be protected by Christ? Because that's the true gospel. That's the true gospel. We're going to get hakaka here and there, but the reality is when the devil pushes, consider it all joy. When you, are in tri- and when you are in turmoil and you are discouraged, consider it all joy because you are the leopard. Huh? You have the opportunity, you have access to God the Father, right? Through Jesus, consider it joy when you experience trials of all kinds, right? It's not the true Christian life to always have this bubbly, gooly, ga-ga-ga feeling. That's not the Christian life. Sometimes you're going to be ticked off, Hawaiians. 